I think for me, the thing that drew me to outdoor education as a career in the first place was the community aspect of it. And I love being outside and I love doing all the activities. Um, but like John said, it's not necessarily primarily about that. For me, it's about the connections that um, I build with other people when I'm in the outdoors and when I'm challenging myself and when I'm supporting others who are challenging themselves. My name is Rob Van Nood, and you're listening to the second season of Elevate, a podcast about big ideas, little projects, and everything in between. Educators and students share their short, elevator pitch-sized stories to raise your awareness of everything that is going on here at Catlin Gable School. In this fifth episode, of the collaboration series, I sit down with Director of Outdoor and Global Education, John Harnito, and Assistant Director of Outdoor Education, Lindsay Babbitt, to learn about how their partnership has focused on creating programs and opportunities that expose people to the wonders of our world, and just as importantly, develop vital skills and outlooks that are increasingly important for engaging in community. I'm John Harnito. I work in the Outdoor Education and Global Education programs. And I'm Lindsay Babbitt. I also work in the Outdoor Education program. So the Outdoor Education program uh, has been around for a fairly long time. It is a co-curricular program. It has some four-credit classes that are that offer a PE credit, but by and large it's it's a voluntary program for students. We run about 30 trips a year, between 25 and 30, that sort of span the activity uh, gamut of outdoor activities like sea kayaking, rock climbing, skiing, surfing. Backpacking, mushrooming, uh, rafting, did you say rafting? I did not say rafting. Yeah. Furry animal petting. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then we also teach a class in the middle school every day as part of the life skills rotation. So we teach a life outdoors class that all middle school students take every year. Uh, and we have some after school rock climbing programming in the winter. We're offering some immersives in the upper school this spring. And we manage the challenge course on campus. So how do you guys work together? What's, the, what's your different roles in this partnership or this, I don't know if it's a partnership, but... In, in this job, you have to bring the outdoor ed to, to Catlin. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a partnership. Mm -hmm. We do a lot. There's a lot of things that we each do. Uh, I would think there's more things that we both do than things that we do differently. Mm -hmm. uh, so John's the director. I'm the assistant director. So I would say, John, you're more in you're more kind of having the overall picture of the budget and the policy and procedure. Uh, and then I ma manage the challenge course, so all of that uh, falls under my job. But I would say as far as kind of planning the vision of the program and the trips and where we want to go moving forward and how we're serving students and hiring instructors for trips and managing trips and, and being with students in the field, I think that all is pretty much kind of split between us. Yeah, we, we've definitely tried to focus a lot on role clarity in the last number of years. Mm -hmm. You know, we have like a document that we use that sort of highlights what's shared and then also what are certain things that we each have in our purview that we're 
we're where like the buck stops, I suppose you could say, even though like we would value the other person's input with those things. So I think that that has been helpful. You know, another thing that we do just with the nature of our work is like I do feel like there's a lot of zooming in on details and then zooming out on Mm -hmm. big picture and then zooming in on details and then zooming out. And so I think that ebb and flow of micro to macro is pretty common in a lot of our conversations. Mm -hmm. And that is really exciting sometimes. It feels like there's a lot of ownership of the program. And then also I know that Lindsay and I have talked about wishing that we had more macro time because a lot of times we're in the weeds with um, chasing down waivers from parents and, and other kind of administrative details like that. Do you guys ever take any time, like do a retreat or anything together or anything like that that would allow you to to get more into the macro stuff? Yeah, we usually do around once a month. We shoot for once a month. It's probably less than that in reality, but we do like, we call it an off-site day. So we'll go off campus to a coffee shop or something and we'll have an agenda beforehand of kind of bigger picture things that we want to think about and we try not to get dragged into the minutia of it, although we, I think, both are frequently trying to remember and keep each other accountable to, like, zooming back out to that bigger picture because it's easy to think about all the logistical details of everything. And I think that's really helpful because unlike teachers who have some summer planning time, we're running programming in the summer, and that's in some ways our busiest time and our most time with students. Um, So there's not really a natural breaking point throughout the year where you can kind of like reset and plan we're just continuously planning all year in the nature of a lot of the trips that we run require several months in advance of planning so like staying ahead of the next season's details and planning is always like you know we're already talking about like late summer at this point Mm -hmm. and so it feels like we're always a couple of seasons ahead and so trying to fit our current visioning of what the program can look like into the next iteration is is both exciting and challenging. I think the other interesting thing is that as a co-curricular program, we find ourselves in this position where we want to be integrated into the school activities a lot. And so we attend faculty meetings and we jump onto work groups and committees. And that is really helpful for us in in that integration goal. And it also sometimes just adds a lot of stuff into our bandwidth that sometimes prevents like the macro planning. So something that we're also always talking about is uh, how do we integrate, but not so much to where we like lose that kind of larger picture visioning for our program. And that's really hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. So do you have a particular project or integrated class that you did that you could speak about that you felt like that went really well and I think our applied leadership in the outdoors last year mm. I think you and I both sort of felt like okay we we landed the plane on that <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you want to talk a little bit about that sure uh, well I'll let you kind of kick it off since it was sort of your Sure. Um, yeah, so that's a class that uh, has, it predates either of our time here at Catlin, and um, it is an after school uh, PE class that students can take. It's called Applied Leadership in the Outdoors, or ALO. And the way the model runs is for the fall um, sports season, we meet um, once or twice a week. Um, and we do different outdoor activities and different kind of leadership and um, outdoor leadership 
classes with the students, and then it culminates in a backpacking trip. So is this for upper school? Yeah. Or just... So the students kind of the idea is that the whole time that they're working on um, their planning, trip planning skills, um, understanding how they work together as a team, group decision making, exploring their own leadership styles and then um, planning the trip. So they planned the itinerary of where we're going. They did what we call a rad plan every day, which is figuring out where are the water sources, where are we gonna camp, how long is the hike gonna take, what's the elevation change, looking at the weather. They did the meal planning and food shopping and all of that. And then on the trip, they're all kind of making decisions like, should we camp here or here? Should we keep hiking? Like, what happens when one person is not feeling well? How do we adapt? And so, um, yeah, I think it just felt really good to have that as the capstone of the course this past year because there was just a clear goal that students were working towards. I also think that it it was one of the examples of like what is the power of outdoor education, which I think is looking at, at an outdoor education experience less at the activity and more about like what what is this a vehicle for and and I think that a lot of the things that Lindsay just talked about around personal leadership and collaboration and decision making those are the ultimate things that I think we believe our program is a vehicle for and the activities in some ways are sort of um, that they, they certainly play a role in that but they're not like the main focus the main focus is on how do we deliver these more non-cognitive skills that we think are really valuable for students so you're talking about that class, it's an after-school mm-hmm. thing, and I know a lot of the things you do require after-school or on the weekends or the mm-hmm. summers. If you had like a, a vision that you could actually bring more of that into the, the, day, the day-to-day of kids' experience, what would that look like? Have you thought about that? Yeah. A we, lot. We've talked about it a lot, yeah. Um, I think there's so many different ways it could look. I think having immersives this year is a really exciting piece of that um, and maybe moving towards that. Um, One thing we talk about is could the grade level trips all the way from 6th through 12th grade be run by us or could we run, you know, an additional trip every year that was an outdoor ed trip? Um, And at other schools I've worked at in the past, that's how their models have run. So it's embedded in the school week. Monday through Friday for one or two weeks a year that whole grade goes out on a trip and there's a curriculum that that progresses all the way from sixth grade to 12th so that's one way it could Mm -hmm. look and I think that the the one of our reoccurring themes is that we have to have longer periods of time like I think that in some ways trying to scale some of these experiences to a during the day or to a weekend trip even is really challenging. And Mm -hmm. I think we both come from a longer expedition background and that see a lot of value in in what happens to a group when they spend a protracted amount of time together. And so the immersives model I think is like really exciting in that regard um, in that it doesn't, it's already like carved out for the students. They don't have to take any additional time except, you know, they're gonna be away and some immersives will be day experiences but I think that like that's that, that's a, an exciting step in addition to like potentially looking at a grade level model so do you have people teachers that come to you and, and have ideas and like I'd really love to work with you on on this project um, I'm just curious about how how it happens at Catlin how you get involved hmm. besides you coming up with ideas and presenting those ideas 
for creating specific trips or for... I'm just curious if, you know, in terms of talking about integration or collaboration, mm -hmm. um, do people, do you have the sense that people see the two of you as, as partners to approach or do you have a sense that it's, most people have a sense that's like, well, you guys are running this thing, maybe I'll plug students into it, but I'd, I, as a teacher, I'm not, I don't know how to get involved. Mm. Well, I think that in my mind, a lot of the successful examples of collaboration that I've been a part of where I'm like uh, either asked to do something or partner on something has to do when someone is thinking about a skill that they want to teach as opposed to an activity that they want to offer. So I think that it is common for people to ask us like, oh, you work in outdoor ed, you must have some activities. And you're like, well, yeah, the, the activities are great, but I prefer to start with, like, what kind of skill are we trying to teach? Um, and then you, you know, backwards design the activity from there. So it's, you know, it's not unlike any other sort of uh, understanding by design framework. So, I, you know, I can think of a couple of years ago, we did this three-day uh, experience in the middle school around this concept called the interpersonal communication gap, which is a, a communication dynamic. Um, and I thought that was it, among the things that I've done here, like the best use of our expertise and experience and that it was focusing less on the activities and it was focusing more about this broader concept of communication. Um, and so for me personally, I think that, that, that I'm attracted to experiences and collaborations like that where we're talking about an idea and then figuring out the activity as opposed to like running an activity mm. yeah um, I think more and more we've also been talking about collaborating with the place program and with the center um, we've been in conversation with George and Sprina about um, upcoming collaborations for this year and we've done a few different things in the past we've done the center walk where students walk from campus to the center as an outdoor trip for a, a day trip on the weekend. And then last year I was a part of the place program and I will be again this summer. So I think, I think that feels like a really good partnership because we, both the place program and the outdoor program have a lot of alignment in terms of, I think, like John said, the type of skills that we wanna teach. We just use a different kind of vehicle to teach them. Yeah. So I'm curious a little bit about the um, maybe the changing nature of the, the students that are involved or, or if it's kind of been since you've been here of the same kinds of kids coming or are you offer, offering opportunities that bring in those kids that, you know, would never, I'm never going camping, I'm mm -hmm. never doing that. Well, we're, a couple of things come to mind. We're we're, one of the projects that we're trying to undergo with some help from Barbara is trying to get more information about that, about why do students sign up for trips and why do students not sign up for trips. So I think we can make some assumptions, and, and some of those are probably valid assumptions, but I also don't think that we've ever done like a sort of comprehensive look at why students sign up or don't sign up for trips and who we are capturing and who we are not capturing. Though I think that industry-wide, we know that, that certain populations of, of people are uh, underrepresented in the outdoors, and I think that that's been why we've started running affinity trips or offering affinity trips, mm -hmm. is to try to take a broader industry trend and see what we can do with it here. 
So how does that work? What, tell me a little bit more about that. Um, so we have, I believe, three affinity trips that we've offered. And the trip is an outdoor trip specifically for students who share an identity. So um, we had a Students of Color trip run last winter, and that'll run again this winter. We've had a Women Trans Femme trip. Um, we've offered an LGBTQ plus and allies trip, although we haven't been able to fill that one. So that's something that we're kind of pondering um, whether why isn't that trip running and there's always so many factors that go into that um, but the idea is just to have an outdoor experience where students who are underrepresented underrepresented in outdoor recreation um, can be around other people who share an identity and and talk about what that's like for them and hopefully um, you know I think it's different for everyone but maybe for some students they'll gain some comfort being in the outdoors, being around people who they feel have a similar experience to them. Or maybe for other people, it's just a really positive community building kind of retreat feeling. So yeah, so I think a hope is that those affinity trips would then be a gateway to those students coming on more um, open enrollment trips. Nice. And do you lead anything, any trips together or are you mostly working on solo projects? We, I think early on, so Lindsay's been here a year longer than I have. You started in 2015. Yep. And I started in 2016. And I think we put a lot of effort into to leading trips together our first couple of years just to align on our vision and to see how each other, you know, kind of operated in the outdoors. I think in the, within the last couple of years, we've moved away from that a little mm-hmm. bit. And have also just been thinking about trip leader training, which is uh, staff training is a huge topic with us right now. And we've, I think, identified that, you know, if we can kind of spread out our resources and expertise and have some on the train on the job training with other leaders, that that's maximizing our time in the best way possible. So, you know, so when I lead a trip, I'll have a variety of leaders with me that, um, that, kind of span the experience spectrum of very experienced and not so experienced and we'll kind of try to tailor some training to them and Lindsay does the same thing mm-hmm. yeah do you want to give a little plug to that maybe, <laughs> maybe there's people out there listening that will be like what does like, that ooh. mean yeah well we <laughs> how, how, can, how can I get more involved so we tried something this year that I think we want to try again but we offered a staff training weekend which we had designed to cover a variety of different skills that we think are useful on trips, everything from technical rock climbing skills to managing group dynamics to facilitating debriefs. The The timing of the trip was, I think, the second or third week in September. So, you know, it was right at the start of school year. So we learned maybe a lesson around timing there. But that, that would be what I would plug is that when we offer that again, which would be a weekend training model that that staff that feel like they could benefit from an overview of those types of skills that I just listed, regardless of whether or not they want to be involved in the outdoor program. I think that they're just good educational mm. skills. Uh, I would I would put in a plug for that. And I think it would just be a great community building, just having a weekend outside with adults to talk about how to work with students in non-traditional classroom environments. I, I can only see positive things that would come from that. Is that an out? Is it an outside of campus? Experience? Yeah, yeah. So we were planning to run it at Smith Rock. 
So people could opt into different activities, like John said, with uh, climbing. We were going to do a map and compass, like a cross-country navigation section, and yeah, different sort of camp craft things as well. Um, I think the school um, and the people that work here uh, could also, like I think that we could offer a lot around risk management training. Um, I think that risk is a really valuable tool for teaching. And I think that one of the things that we talk a lot about is like, how do we take some core concepts that exist within outdoor education around risk management and more broadly, you know, disseminate them such that like teachers can start to see risk as a tool and that you have to, you can find the sweet spot between not being overly risk averse, um, but as also not being overly cavalier. Um, and so I think that that's something that we talk a lot about as well that, that is really really exciting to think about with especially when we translate that to our students and developing their critical thinking skills so how could that look for how would it how could a teacher take some of those ideas into like a standard classroom mm-hmm. well i think one example that already happened was during the middle school step whatever the iteration was last mm-hmm. year it was step there was a a step group that their whole concept was around risk. And I know that I came in and did some sort of uh, conceptual framing about how to think about risk for the students. You know, it wasn't super complicated or anything, but it was thinking about, hey, like when you get in a car, what is the what is the likelihood that something's going to happen to you and what are the consequences, you know? And so like thinking about how students can take some of those decision-making skills um, and translate them to their work as athletes or to their hobbies like parkour. Like I think that, that that's one example that, that I, I thought was pretty ripe for more opportunity. Hmm. And I think the more that as uh, employees we're all on the same page about how we teach risk management to students and how we structure um, kind of community learning outside of the classroom, um, the more students will benefit from that um, consistency. So I think having a consistent framework across the school really helps foster student independence. So students understand whether it's campus day and they're uh, using a tool that they're unfamiliar with to cut barbed wire, or whether they're out in science class launching water balloons across a field, or whether they're going for a hike or in the robotics lab they have those frameworks in mind of what makes um, this group healthy, how am I observing hazards, how am I um, checking my own comfort zone and that of those around me. Um, So I think it's just, yeah, it's just kind of a beneficial framework for everyone. Nice. Well, in the last minute or so, do you have anything that you'd like to share about the work you guys do that you think would be insightful for people that they don't know, something like oh most people don't know this about what we do Hmm. I think that by and large the the school supports the outdoor program and the teachers support it a couple of things that come to mind are that like a a leverage point I think that could be really helpful in in increasing the participation in our program is student or uh, teachers offering some flexibility with students around homework over the weekends I think that that's something I think about a lot is that, you know, as I've talked to more students, a lot of them make the decision not to go on trips because of their workload. Um, and so I, I would like for teachers to know that they're developing valuable 
group membership skills on these trips and that um, there's no shortage of research that suggests that being outside reduces all sorts of stress level and 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 is really beneficial for them and their mental health. The other thing I would say is is and this is just a broader pitch I make for outdoor education is that outdoor education is of course about the activity but it is it is also about and even more so about the skills that people are learning while they're doing the activity. So I think that a lot of times it's easy to boil outdoor ed into the primary activity. You know, it's like, oh, it's a rock climbing trip or it's a, you know, it's a kayaking trip or they're learning how to tie knots or set up shelters. But I think that there's some, there are some bigger skills that they're learning. And so I, I just try to make that plug whenever I can that, that it's, it's more about what these more abstract kind of bigger skills around collaboration and self-awareness and decision-making that students are actually learning in addition to like tying knots. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think for me, the thing that drew me to outdoor education as a career in the first place was the community aspect of it. And I love being outside and I love doing all the activities. Um, but like John said, it's not necessarily primarily about that. For me, it's about the connections that Um, I build with other people when I'm in the outdoors and when I'm challenging myself and when I'm supporting others who are challenging themselves. And so uh, I think, I don't know if everyone thinks of it that way. Maybe some people do, but um, when I come back onto campus after a trip, the connection that I feel with the people who are on that trip is just something really special. And I think think that's really valuable and I, I hope that more people can experience it. Great. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Elevate. If you have questions, ideas, or want to share your story, please send us an email. Elevate at catlin.edu.